0: Well good morning and uh, welcome to Lavington Baptist Church and for those that are looking in on live stream we welcome you too and we do pray the Lord has a blessing for each and every one of you. Before we open up the word of God let's turn to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord's blessing upon the message today. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father again we give thee thanks for this Lord's Day and what a beautiful day you've blessed us with. We thank thee, Father, for those that have gathered in under the sound of your word. We do pray, Lord, that there might be clarity, that people might be uplifted in their most holy faith, that they might be drawn closer to yourself. Father, take your servant, hide him behind the cross. Let no man be seen, save Jesus only, and we'll be careful to give thee the praise, the honour, and the glory in our Saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. We appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak this morning and Pastor Gavin, as he said, rang me up yesterday uh, but I'm an old scout and it's always good to be prepared and so praise the Lord we're able to do that and to uh, fill in and it's good to hear that uh, Gavin has got the all clear and keep praying for Jill, uh, she's not uh, too well Now I do have to rush away after the morning service uh, so please uh, forgive me for that i got another preaching engagement in the afternoon down south and so the Lord knows uh, all about that and uh, I've asked the men to not to take too long in their opening remarks because uh, the message is going to be a little bit longer than what I would normally go. Uh, I find it difficult to uh, break it up into sections uh, and just leave it. So uh, hopefully uh, you will be patient with me today. Okay, thank you for reading the Word of God, Troy. Appreciate that very much. Okay, folks, whenever I first started this study on the garments of Christ, the garments of our Lord Jesus Christ, I mentioned that uh, on four occasions there there was a a discarding of his garments. Twice it was done voluntary and twice it was involuntary. We have already looked at the first time his clothes were discarded and that was in John's Gospel chapter 13. Uh, Remember when uh, they discarded they were discarded for service uh, when he took his uh, garments off and put the uh, slave's apron on and washed the disciples' feet. And on that occasion, his garments were discarded voluntarily. He took them off himself. Now we look at the second time our Lord's clothes were discarded. But this time it was viciously, not voluntary, viciously. Folks, the crowds, we've just been reading a little bit about it in chapter 27 of Matthew, the crowds were angry. Uh, Have you ever tried to put yourself in the place of Calvary and what was going on? Uh, The hype, uh, the merchants, the the people were selling different things and all the crowds were gathered around and uh, to some degree it was a, a festival, a festival day. But can you imagine the situation? Whenever they brought those criminals out, nailed them on the crosses, and put them in their place. The crowds were angry. The soldiers were brutal. There was nothing gentle about the way our Lord was treated. He was treated viciously. There was death in the air. And in the scriptures we just read a few moments ago, we see that his clothes were discarded for suffering. Discarded for suffering. His clothes were removed and the garments of mockery was put on him. In Matthew 27 and verse 28 it says this. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. A scarlet robe of mockery. And they bowed the knee and they mocked him, saying, "Heal, King of the Jews. So they were mocking him, making him a joke, laughing at him, dressed up as a king. They even bowed the knee to him. And little did they know that what they were doing in jest was true. Because he is due our worship. He offered himself as king. They should have really bowed the knee to him, but they did not. They just made a joke of it. But folks, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11 says this, Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And folks, the same ones who made a mockery of him, who made a joke of him, who laughed at him, will one day bow the knee and acknowledge his sovereignty. Amen. Now at this stage I just want to draw your attention to John's gospel and what he records in relation to this situation. John chapter 19. John chapter 19 verse 2 and 3 says this And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe. Here we have the purple robe of mockery. After the scourging uh, of John chapter nineteen, you know this scourging was done uh, with a cap of nine tails, a whip made of leather straps, and in the straps would be woven pieces of metal and bone, interwoven into the straps. And as Elish would come down on our dear Savior's back, it would leave deep furrows. Normally, a whip. Would leave a welt. A raising of the skin. If you like. But this whip. Ripped. The skin off. Leaving. Lacerated furrows. In our Lord's back. Imagining. That happening about 40 times. When your back would be stretched. Stretched. And tight as you are tied to the scourging pole. On top of that they made a crown of thorns and placed it upon his head. And every king needs a royal garment. And they put on him the purple robe. And of course every king needs a scepter. And they gave him a reed. And so you have the garments of mockery, the purple robe, the crown, the scepter. And they mocked him over and over and over again. And this was not bad enough. They anointed him. They anointed him with spittle Matthew 27, verse 30. Matthew 26, verse 66, 67. And they take the reed and the scepter of and smote him on the head. Causing the thorns, which were quite large in the Middle East, to penetrate into his brow. No wonder the psalmist records, The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. Isaiah 63 and verse 2 says, Wherefore art thy red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? Isaiah 50 and verse 6 says, I give my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that pluck off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Amazing. How these prophets could see this so vividly. So they mocked him. They whipped him. They smote him with their hands. They spit. I cannot imagine spitting in another person's face. And they spit on him. And then they take the reed. And they beat the thorns into his brow that reed that could have condemned him to a lost eternity that reed that could have opened up the ground as he did in the days of Korah and swallowed them up that reed which could have summoned 10,000 angels to come down and set him free but no they beat him on the head with the reed no wonder Pilate said behold the man gaze upon him look at him Take notice of him. And folks, if there's any unsaved here today, I want you to take notice of our Savior. I want you to look at him. I want you to gaze upon him because on that cross, he was suffering for your sins. He was suffering for the sins of the whole world. And we need to take notice of that. You know, in a different way. The Greeks would say, we would see Jesus. And praise God for those who are believers today. And we would see Jesus today. And so often we look at these verses which are very uh, common as it were, preached on quite a bit. But we need to do that as believers to go over and over and over to remind us what our Saviour has done for us. I just want to finish off this little section. Discarded for Suffering. And I just want to highlight a fairly obscure type in finishing off this section. Please turn to Numbers chapter 4. I love looking at the types. I was brought up on the types, (laughs) as Pastor Gevin was, and listening to Pastor Willie Mullen and uh, Ian Paisley. They love to highlight the types. But this is a type that I've been studying over the last while. Numbers chapter 4 and verse 13 only. And they shall take away the ashes from the altar. And spread a purple cloth thereon. A purple cloth thereon. They shall take away the ashes of the altar. Now the sacrifices in the Old Testament by and large represent the Lord Jesus Christ. And the ashes are the death of the sacrifice. And they shall take away the ashes from the sacrifice and spread a purple cloth thereon. And as I thought about this, this also, and I just say, could have been. Don't read me out of this church because of error, okay? It could have been the covering that Joseph of Arimathea used to cover our Lord the purple cloth. The robe of mockery, if you like. The royal robe of mockery. Purple in color, which was used to cover the Lord in mockery. Would have been covered in blood. It would have been of no use to anyone. So when it was taken off him, it would have been discarded, as it were. Useless. And When our Lord was taken down of the cross, the sacrifice... The ashes, if you like, could have been covered with the purple robe. And I shall take away the ashes from the altar and spread a purple cloth thereon. And the purple robe of mockery becomes the purple robe of majesty covering our Saviour. As I said last time, I could also. It could also have been the outer coat. We're just not sure. It doesn't say. But the types are there for a reason. And so, from the Garden of Gethsemane, to Gabbatha, to the hill of Golgotha, and then to glory, the path of the Saviour. Suffering. Suffering. Suffering to bring about the sacrifice and for our salvation. Discarded. For suffering. Now we move on to the third occasion when our Lord's clothes were discarded. He discarded his garments. And to a point we've already seen uh, some of that situation. We have looked at discarded for service, that was the feet washing. We've looked at discarded for suffering, the robe, the crown, the spitting, the reed. The first was voluntary the second was viciously the third which we're going to look at very briefly it was discarded for sacrifice and that would have been done violently remember he had been beaten beaten to within an inch of his life he couldn't even manage as a human being to carry his own cross he was whipped he was spat upon thorns pressed into his brow beaten into it deprived of sleep the purple robe is taken off and his own garments are put back on him. Matthew 27, verse 31. Matthew 27 and verse 31. And after that, they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put on, or put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. So he had garments on and garments off, and now he's being led away to be crucified. Some of the hymn writers, I wouldn't quote, but some actually see the whole situation very graphically. And the hymn writers put it this way. Was it for me, for me alone, the Saviour left his glorious throne, the dazzling splendour of the sky? Was it for me he came to die? Was it for me he wept and prayed, my load of sin upon him led? That night within Gethsemane, was it for me that agony? Was it for me he bowed his head, Upon the cross and freely shed. His precious blood that crimson tide. Was it for me my Savior died? Very poignant. Very true. And folks when we read the Old Testament. We see many prophecies relating to our Lord's suffering. We haven't got time to go into them all. But Genesis 3, Exodus 12, Numbers 4, uh, Psalm 22, Psalm 129, uh, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 52, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 63. And so many more talk about the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course what was future then was fulfilled in Christ. And when we come into the New Testament, his actual sufferings are recorded for us. And all scripture is given by the Spirit of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Then, when we read Revelation in relation to the vesture dipped in blood, this is future. When our Lord returns in victory clothed in his garments which are the evidence of his suffering Revelation 19.13 and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God and one day he'll stand before his enemies and he'll have the evidence of what they've done and so as we read in Matthew 27.31 our Lord's clothes were discarded for the third time this time for sacrifice, and it would have been done violently. And folks, we have looked at his sufferings, but but what he endured on the cross, which must was much much more than just suffering. Oh, you could go into all his suffering, and we, we could do it very graphically. And with children here, you wouldn't want to do that about the, the the whipping and the scourging and the spitting and all the rest of it. But what he suffered on the cross was much much more. And he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What did he mean? What was going on? Eli, Uli, Lama Sebaksani. When Jesus was dying on the cross, there was three hour time period. When he became sin for us. And each one of us are born in sin and shape and in iniquity. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you are still in your sin. But Jesus Christ went to the cross to bear your sin in his own body. And he became sin for us, literally. He bore in his own body our sins. Without exception. All our sins were transferred unto him. He was God in human flesh. He became the final and complete sacrifice for sin. And I believe in that moment he was banished from the presence of God. Because sin cannot exist in his holy presence. That's why he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Habakkuk 1 verse 13 says, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. And his cry was true. And he endured the separation of God that you and I deserve. And folks, that ought to bring us great comfort. Because Christ died for us so that we need not to fear death and hell ourselves. Now today we do not have the time to go into all the sins of the cross. But this one is very significant. My God, my God, why has I forsaken me? And here of course he is quoting Psalm 22 and verse 1. So we know that God forsook Jesus on the cross. For reasons I've just explained, sin cannot dwell in God's presence. But here's a question. And Pastor Gavin, this only a question. I am not theologically clever enough to answer this question. Did the father forsake his son? It's very deep. My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? But did the Father forsake His Son? You see, Willie Mullins said, Under no circumstances would His Father forsake His Son. And I don't know if you can differentiate between the Father and God. But the a question. Okay. Now, so far in our study of the discarded garments of our Savior, we have studied discarded for service, the fish washing. Voluntary. Discarded for suffering, the purple robe, the spitting, viciously. Discarded for sacrifice, they took off his own clothes violently. And now we move on to our fourth point. And here we see that this time his clothes were discarded voluntarily. They were discarded for sovereignty. Discarded for sovereignty. Please turn to John chapter 19, and we'll read verses 38 and 39. John chapter 19, verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate, that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. Verse 39. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about a hundred pound weight. About a hundred pound weight. A little bit different from our hundred pound weight. They reckon it could have been around about 80 of our pounds, uh, what's that? Roughly 37 kilos. Now, there are at least three things that I want you to take note of here. Just three things, there's probably more. First of all, a new character is introduced to us who is, I believe, the fulfillment of a great type in the Old Testament. And that is, of course, Joseph of Arimathea. He's introduced to us. We'll look at that in just a moment. The second thing we notice is that an old character is reintroduced. Nicodemus. The third, And thirdly, the, the place of our Lord's entombment is described. A new tomb, belonging to a rich man, clean, And never used. You have to read all the synoptic Gospels to see that. Now here's just a little bunny trail in between. Okay? You know what a bunny trail is? That's when you go off service and you speak about something else and then you get back on again, okay? Now it's just interesting that one of the greatest types of our Lord was Joseph in the Old Testament. Do you know that no sin is recorded against him? He was hated by his brothers. They, they became the tribes of Israel, the Jews. He was sold for the price of a slave. And, and later on I'll tell you a little bit more about Joseph. But Joseph is one of the great types of our Lord in the Old Testament. Then we have the first male person to touch our Lord's human body. And he was called Joseph. And he was his earthly father. And the first person to touch our Lord after his death was another Joseph. Just thought I would just show you that as a little bunny chain. You know, uh, Joseph was an honourable man, Joseph of Arimathea, who waited for the kingdom, was a disciple or a follower of the Lord Jesus. Now John chapter 19, verse 40 please. John chapter 19 and verse 40 says this Then took they the body of Jesus, and wound it in linen cloths, with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. And in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulchre, wherein was never man yet lain. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews preparation day for the sepulchre was nigh at hand and here it tells us that the body of the lord jesus our sacrifice was wound in linen cloths and they laid him in a new sepulchre wherein never a man was yet lain brand new now Matthew twenty-seven and verses fifty-nine and sixty, it tells us that Joseph, it was Joseph's own tomb, and it was new. And in Mark's Gospel, chapter fifteen and forty-six, it confirms it was fine linen and laid him in the sepulchre. Now please turn to Numbers chapter nineteen. Numbers chapter nineteen. Check Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, just in case. Numbers chapter 19 and verse 9. Numbers 19 verse 9 says this. And the man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer. The red heifer is a wonderful type of the Lord Jesus Christ. We haven't got time to go into all that this morning. But it had to be without blemish. It had to be a male, first year, so forth. A lot of things typical of our Lord Jesus Christ. One day we might look at the red heifer. And a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and lay them up without the camp in a clean place and shall be kept for a congregation of the children of Israel. For a water of separation. It is a purification of sin. And Joseph of Arimathea. Fulfilled all these things written about 1,600 years earlier. Folks how marvelous is this book. How how precious is our Bible. That 1,600 years before it talks about a clean man taking up the ashes, putting them in a clean place. Exactly what Joseph of Arimathea did. Now, all four Gospels record the situation regarding the tomb, the linen, the men, but only once, this might surprise you, only once is Nicodemus mentioned. Only once. You see, in Matthew, let's turn to them. I think it's good if we turn to them. Matthew 27, we've already looked at some verses there. Matthew 27 verses 57 to 60. Matthew 27, 57 to 60. When the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea. He made his death with the rich. Isaiah 52 and 53. When the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean cloth and laid it in his own new Tomb which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled the great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed. Only Joseph mentioned. Now please turn to Mark chapter 15. I think it's good to compare Scripture with Scripture. Mark chapter 15, verse 42. And now when the evening was come, Because it was the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honourable counselor. He was rich, he was honourable. The two don't normally go together, do they? Being rich and being honourable. Which also waited for the kingdom of God. uh, And went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. Now please turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke 23, verses 50 to 53. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counsellor. And he was a good man. He was good. He was honourable. He was rich. And he was a counsellor and a just. The same had not consented to the council and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And then please turn to John. John chapter 19, 38-42. And after this Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus but secretly for fear of the Jews besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus. So John is the only one that mentions Nicodemus. Why? Well I believe that Joseph of Arimathea is the main man here Joseph of Arimathea was the man the counsellor the rich man the clean man who fulfilled the type of Numbers chapter 19 and I want you to notice something else here he begged he craved he besought the body of our Lord he was a clean man and fulfilled the type of the clean man of number nineteen, So our Lord was wrapped in clean, fine linen clothes. And folks, our Lord in his death fulfilled all the Old Testament types and shadows. And here, as he was bound with clean, fine linen, after he had shed his blood in sacrifice, fulfilled the types of... Of the high priest. Again, we haven't got time to go into them. Leviticus sixteen twenty-three, Leviticus six chapter verse ten, Leviticus sixteen verse four. All wearing the fine linen, and our Lord fulfilled all those types. So our Lord not only fulfilled the type, but He is now our great high priest in heaven. Hebrews chapter four fourteen to sixteen says this. Seeing then that you have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. You can read the rest later. And now our Lord has entered into the heavens. And he is our mediator and our great high priest. Another little thing I want you to, as it were, take notice of is Psalm 45, verse 8, which says, all thy garments smell of mer and alloys and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. All thy garments smell of mer. At his birth, or uh, really sometime after his birth, the wise men did not come for about a year, at least a year after his birth. But be that as it may, uh, the wise men gave and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. During his ministry, Mary anointed him with precious ointment of spikenard. At his death, he is again anointed with myrrh. And in the Song of Solomon, where we read of the love of the bridegroom for the bride, it says, I rose up to my beloved. My hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the locks and so we can say that our Lord's life and ministry and even his death would have been a sweet smelling savour unto God (laughs) folks this is what God desires this is what God has been pleased with from the beginning Genesis 8 and verse 21 says this and the Lord smelled a sweet savour and the Lord said in his heart I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake for the imagination of man's heart is evil from their youth and in 2 Corinthians 2.15 it says this for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish the question is folks today is your life a sweet smelling savor unto God you know Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 we're exhorted to be followers of God as dear children and to walk as Christ walked who gave himself as an offering and a sacrifice to God a sweet smelling savour and so Joseph anointed the Lord with mare put on him the linen clothes laid him in a clean place and the sacrifice that was made is led to rest outside the camp that's an answer to the prophecy now, I have dealt at length in another message regarding uh, Joseph uh, fulfilling uh, this great type uh, and a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of an heifer uh, be interesting if you check that out and, and see the similarities of the heifer, the red heifer, to our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful study. And so Joseph fulfills that type. And so, as I've said before, born from a virgin womb, buried in a virgin tomb, born into a mother's hands, died and into the father's hands. Now in the tomb... The grave clothes, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> in the tomb the grave clothes were laid aside. They were laid aside for sovereignty, discarded for sovereignty. His humiliation, as it were, had given place or given way to exaltation. He would now take his place as our mediator and as our great high priest and coming king of kings and lord of lords. And again, there's a couple of things. I want to bring to your attention. In John nineteen thirty two and 33, it says, Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, into thy hands I commit thy spirit, he gave up his own. No Roman soldier killed my saviour. No Jewish person killed my saviour. He gave his life for our sins on the cross. He gave it up. They break not his legs. And here, folks, we see the accuracy and dependability of the scriptures. Psalm 34, verse 20 says this. He keepeth all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Exodus 12, verse 46 says this. And this is when they were coming out of Egypt. And we're celebrating the Passover. And it says here, and we read of the Passover lamb, but it says, Neither shall ye break a bone thereof. How marvelous is the scripture and the types and the shadows and the pictures all through. And that one person over 6,000 years of history has been able to prove this it's wrong. It's wonderful. You know, usually, the legs would be broken. The two thieves have their legs broken. Now, you need to remember, folks, that crucifixion was not known to Israel. And all these prophecies were about the breaking of the feet, and the furrows in the back, and the nails in the hand, and so forth. It was brought in by the Romans. So let's look at some other remarkable prophecies. Zechariah twelve verse ten says, "And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced." He didn't know about crucifixion. Psalm twenty two sixteen: The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me; they pierced my hands and my feet. What a picture! They part my garment among them and cast lots upon my vesture. John 19.36 for these things were done that the scriptures should be fulfilled a bone of him shall not be broken and again another scripture saith, they shall look at him whom they have pierced and thirdly do you know it was the Romans custom after the crucifixion there were usually thieves and people accused of insurrection and so forth and after they were crucified they'd normally be just dumped to the ground and then they would be put in an old type wheelbarrow similar to what we're watching in India today and we need to pray for that country there's thousands upon thousands dying every day folks souls going to a lost eternity and sometimes we get so blasé about the whole thing that we just pass it over in a moment of time and they would dump them on a cart and they would wheel them over to the pauper's grave and and just dump them in but Isaiah 53 and verse 9 says this and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death He was bound for a common grave, folks. Uh, He was unbanned and placed in a rich man's grave. Uh, uh, How marvelous these scriptures are. Whenever I'm studying these things, I just say, well, praise God. Praise God. It's all true. All these prophetic announcements... Made hundreds of years before our Lord was crucified. Before the crucifixion was even heard of. Fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ. We're getting to the end. In John 20. 20, We read about the resurrection. Yes. Praise God. Our Lord rose from the dead. Amen. But when we're looking at his apparel and death, his death clothes, John 20 verse 7 says this, and the napkin that was about his head was not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Verse 6 and 7. And saith the linen clothes lie. (laughs) Let me just say this. No thief stole the body. Of our Savior. Otherwise the clothes would be missing as well. Or at least ripped apart. If a disciple took the body. The clothes would have gone. And they would have preserved it. So what did John actually see? He saw the place. Where Jesus had lain. Past tense the Lord would have been embalmed, wrapped in linen clothes. Uh, The mare, I mean, uh, at least uh, 40 kilos of of alloys and mare. And the linen clothes would have been undisturbed as the Lord would pass through them. Just in the same way, he passed through the walls and appeared unto Simon, or unto Thomas and so forth. it tells us that they rolled a stone in front of the tomb. And then it says, the stone was rolled away. Let me just say this, folks. This stone was rolled away not to let the Lord out, but to let us in so that we might see it's closed. lay. Now I'm finishing this little section. I want to go back to well one of the Joseph's I mentioned. Joseph of the Old Testament who is a great type of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be finishing in a few minutes. And I'll just go through this very quickly. I'll give you the bones you can put the flesh on. Joseph was beloved of his father. In the Old Testament, our Lord Jesus Christ was beloved of his father. Joseph in the Old Testament wore a special robe. Our Lord Jesus Christ wore a special robe. Joseph in the Old Testament was hated by his brothers who became the tribes of Israel, the Jews. Our Lord Jesus Christ was hated by his brethren, the Jews. Joseph was sold for the price of a slave. In the Old Testament, that was 20 pieces of silver. Our Lord was sold for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. I suppose that was inflation in those days. 20 pieces in the Old Testament, 30 in the New. Joseph was condemned unjustly. Our Lord was condemned unjustly. Joseph had two companions with him. One lived and one died. Our Lord had two companions. One lived and one died. Joseph was elevated to the throne in Egypt. Our Lord is elevated to the throne. Joseph laid aside his prison clothes. Our Lord laid aside his prison clothes. Joseph reigned in Pharaoh's stead. Jesus Christ is reigning today. Joseph returned to his people. And all these except the last one has been fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now we wait for him to fulfill the last one when he returns for his people in the rapture which is imminent. Imminent. Discarded for service. Discarded for suffering. Discarded for sacrifice. Discarded for sovereignty. May the Lord bless His Word to our hearts. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again we give Thee thanks for the opportunity of opening Thy Word turning his pages, seeing the marvellous things that you have recorded there for our edification and I do pray Lord that we may have been built up in our most holy faith today and should there be one in our midst that does not know Jesus Christ as their own personal saviour maybe even today they would make that decision for thee. We ask all this in our saviour's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Gibbon, thank you.